sponsored by Amazon. Good morning, Playbookers. I'm Raghuman Avalin. The Scoop, on a DHS domestic intelligence program, plus a deep dive into Ron DeSantis' time in the House. Here are the big things we're watching on Monday, March 6th. Politico colleague Betsy Woodruff-Swan has an eye-popping story up in this morning's playbook on a previously unreported DHS domestic intelligence program. As she writes, one of many revelations in a wide-ranging tranche of internal documents reviewed by Politico. Those documents also reveal that a significant number of employees in DHS's intelligence office have raised concerns that the work they are doing could be illegal. Under the domestic intelligence program, officials are allowed to seek interviews with just about anyone in the United States. That includes people held in immigration detention centers, local jails, and federal prison. DHS's intelligence professionals have to say they're conducting intelligence interviews, and they have to tell the people that they seek to interview that their participation is voluntary. But the fact that they're allowed to go directly to incarcerated people, circumventing their lawyers, raises important civil liberty concerns, according to legal experts. That specific element of the program, which has been in place for years, was paused last year because of internal concerns. The details on the Overt Human Intelligence Collection Program are just one revelation from the documents concerning the Department's Office of Intelligence and Analysis, which is rife, Betsy reports, with widespread internal concerns about legally questionable tactics and political pressure. You can catch the full story in today's playbook. Check it out at politico.com slash playbook. Former President Donald Trump might have sucked up all the headlines this weekend as he addressed his most loyal supporters at CPAC. This week, however, attention will return to his top expected 2024 rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Playbook editor Mike DeBonis and Playbook co-author Rachel Bade are here to break down his big week ahead. This week, the Florida legislature is going to kick off a huge session that DeSantis is expected to use as a springboard uh, for his potential 2024 run. I mean, he's going to be giving a state of the state address on Wednesday, which is the day after they will convene this session. And it's just this legislative to-do list is just packed with red meat. I mean, Bans on university gender studies classes and diversity programs. They're going to try to extend uh, the current prohibitions on teaching sexual orientation and gender identity uh, in kindergarten through third grade all the way through eighth grade now. There's talk about requiring companies to use E-Verify to check the immigration status of employees, everything from tax cuts, expanding school vouchers, uh, allowing people to uh, carry guns without permits. I mean, this is basically a Republican stream. And DeSantis is going to be kicking that off and talking about the sort of plans he has for the state uh, at a bunch of different events. And on top of that, he's going to be going to Iowa for the first time, uh, talking to voters in this obviously key state, uh, first in the nation primary state. And then he'll be heading to Nevada and later New Hampshire. So a busy week for him. And, you know, let's talk about where he was last night or or yesterday, Um, not in a key early primary state, but in a a very interesting place nonetheless. 
Where was Cal- it? California. I mean, not exactly a place you expect a Republican running for president to go. But yeah, he headed to Orange County, which, as you know, used to be a Republican stronghold. And now uh, a lot of Democrats have flipped those seats in that area. And he's basically uh, trolling Gavin Newsom and doing a bunch of fundraisers for Republicans there. He also spoke at uh, the Reagan Library and the auditorium, it sounds like from Twitter, was just totally packed, completely sold out. Um, The top Republican official in Orange County said that the fundraiser that DeSantis is holding for him has raised a record number uh, a record amount of money and brought in a record number of people. So he's helping fellow Republicans. And, uh, you know, this is just the beginning of this big swing he's going to be doing around the country for the next few weeks. Right. And, you know, the fact that he's now this sort of Republican superstar, um, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, he's filling, uh, you know, he's filling the house at the Reagan Library. Um, he's uh, He was at a Club for Growth donor event over the weekend, uh, by all accounts, got a very positive reception. Um, but looking back at where he came from, this is this is somewhat surprising. You've been uh, looking at his time as a congressman uh, six years between 2013 and 2019 when he became governor. And what did you find out? Yeah, I kind of feel like this is sort of uh, his forgotten chapter. Everybody talks about him as this hotshot governor, but he was in the House for six years. And I talked to a bunch of Republicans on the Hill who uh, obviously served with him. And a lot of them said he was really quiet back then. He kept to himself, uh, kept into his own business. Um, And, you know, he was best known, actually, for his swing on the congressional baseball team and his actual ability to hit the ball over the fence when a lot of them were, you know, trying to just, you know, hit the ball out of the infield. So that's sort of what he was known for. But those who were close to him said that if you actually got to know him and you looked closely at what he was doing in Congress, you could see sort of the foreshadowing of where he would go. I mean, he was introducing a whole bunch of populist bills, things like uh, barring lawmakers from getting pay increases, making them uh, sign up for Obamacare, or I'm sorry, not exempt themselves from Obamacare's mandates, things like that. A lot of things that Donald Trump would actually come to embrace when he would run for president in 2016. And DeSantis was talking about this, you know, way back when, when he came in uh, in the Tea Party wave. So, you know, lawmakers said he worked really hard and And, you know, he wasn't the first person to make a joke in the room. But, you know, they said now that they look back, they can see why he has been successful. But a lot of them were really not predicting that he would potentially be a presidential candidate and potentially president someday. The thing that I got out of your reporting that was really interesting was, you know, he was in this milieu with these really sort of you know, main character type personalities, Mark Meadows, Jim Jordan, Raul Labrador, these guys who were in the news every day, always looking for a quote, always doing gaggles in the hallway with us Hill reporters, really trying to make news constantly. Um, And he was, you know, he was a, a original founder of the Freedom Caucus, but he just never operated that way uh, on the Hill. He never sought to use his house seat as a platform you know, what it turned out was he was using it as a stepping stone. And, uh, you know, I think your reporting kind of shows how sort of strategic he was about that. It's funny because the person who actually gave me the idea for writing the story is a moderate Republican who served with him, who I never would have guessed he would be friends with. Because a lot of these Freedom Caucus guys, the guys who started this, this group in the House, 
they're really disliked by moderate Republicans. They're disliked by, uh, you know, even traditional Republicans' leadership, at least they were for a really long time. But DeSantis, because he didn't grandstand all the time and he wasn't trying to, you know, be in the spotlight and, uh, you know, make threats against his colleagues, he actually had relationships across the board. And I got a call from Rodney Davis, who is a Republican from Illinois, again, moderate Republican, who just, you know, he had read something in Playbook about how all these donors were complaining about DeSantis, saying that he's not friendly, he's very cold. And he said, look, I know DeSantis. I served with him in the House. He's a really nice guy when you get to know him. And he did me a huge political favor. He's just that kind of guy. And, you know, he told this story about you know, a time during a shutdown when a National Parks employee had appeared at a protest with his Democratic challenger. And, you know, it really uh, upset Davis because he was in a tough re-election. And DeSantis basically said, look, you know, the head of the National Parks is coming into my committee. I'm willing to grill him for you. Give me that information. And that's what he did. And so, It's just it's interesting to see, you know, at a time when a lot of people, a lot of Republicans in the House hated the Freedom Caucus, DeSantis was able to sort of uh, strike a balance that will serve him well, because a lot of these Republicans he served with, they want him to run and they want to be helpful to him. They told me, you you know, that he's not calling them right now. In fact, a lot of them said he's pretty hard to reach, which is something we've heard about DeSantis from, you know, other stories and reports. But they are hoping he reaches out because they want to help him win the nomination and come back to D.C. As you mentioned, the Florida session starts on Tuesday and you ran down all of these sort of red meat bills that he's pushing. This is all sort of seen as a prelude to, you know, when he actually announces a presidential campaign. So, you know, how long is the session in Florida and when, you know, what can we expect after that? So it's a two-month session, and notably, one of the things the lawmakers are talking about down there is passing some sort of bill that would allow him to continue to run, to continue to stay in the governor's mansion as he runs instead of resigning. So, I mean, this is very much, you know, in the cards right now. And everybody sort of expects him to do it. A lot of his House Republican colleagues and old friends that I talk to do expect him to jump in. It's just a question of when. It sounds like he wants to build a whole bunch of momentum and, you know, be in the news doing all these things for GOP voters. And that would actually put him in a a perfect uh, position to make that that run. Absolutely. And we'll be watching the whole way. And also, let me uh, be the first to put in a plug for our Florida colleagues, particularly. Um, we, you know, we have a Florida playbook, and that might be a must read uh, right alongside uh, our playbook the next couple months. And I uh, suggest check, checking it out. Uh, Rachel Bade, thank you so much. Thank you. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 11.10 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden will depart the White House to head to the 2023 International Association of Firefighters Legislative Conference, which he will headline at 12.15. At 1 p.m., Vice President Kamala Harris and Second Gentleman Doug Emhoff will depart Los Angeles to head to Denver. At 5 p.m., Harris will participate in a moderated discussion on the climate crisis, and at 7.25, Harris will depart Denver to head back to D.C. The Senate will meet at 10 a.m. The House is out today. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghu Monavalan. Have a good Monday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning.
employees should have the opportunity and tools to grow their careers, regardless of where they start. That's why Amazon offers a range of free training programs designed to help move into higher paying roles within Amazon. Learn more at aboutamazon.com.